Attention residents of the high desert, did you know that a Comic-Con style event is coming to the San Bernardino Fairgrounds on February 8, 2020? Other than being a host to celebrity signings, giveaways, and a cosplay contest, we want to open the doors to the local community of businesses and give you an opportunity to sell your wares. If you want to be part of the Jay Zoman's Pop Culture Expo, contact Dave at 760-553-6906 or email him at pce at jayzoman.com. That's pce at j-a-y-z-o-m-o-n.com. Or visit us online at www.jayzoman'spopcultureexpo.com. Hey, this is Don Smith from the Life Radio Show. If you've always wanted to learn more about the world of low-budget filmmaking and even lower-budget comedy, tune into the Life Radio Show. You can live stream the show at www.su1069.org on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Or find us wherever you find podcasts and like and follow the Life Radio Show on Facebook for live video and other shenanigans. Now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Myth Bits. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 62 of the World of Mythbits. I am your host, Stephanie Barty, and Christmas is over, and we are on the downslide. We are almost done with 2019. This is the last official podcast for the World of Mythbits for 2019. And I think it's kind of rather appropriate that the last podcast of the year the decade is the magazine review because the podcast was spawned from the magazine. Um, the magazine needed an outlet to do member of the month interviews, which we will be getting back into um, in 2020. But um, it needed an outlet for certain things pertaining to the magazine, and Mythbits was born. So I think it's appropriate that the last official podcast, the last podcast for the World of Mythbits for 2019 is Magazine Review. Now, with that being said, I'm not jumping into Magazine Review just yet. Um, I hope you all had a good Christmas. Uh, mine was, if you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you had a wonderful Hanukkah. I hope you had whatever it is you do during this time of year. I hope it was wonderful. It was enjoyable. It was at least semi-relaxing. Um, I have a fairly large, uh, close family. Um, there's four, five, six in my intimate family just to start with, there's my husband and myself and my 19 year old daughter and then, um, my 29 year old son and his wife and their two year old son and then a granddaughter and all of them. We don't see them over Christmas and my other son, which I don't see 
um, over Christmas. And then, so there's a lot. And then there's my brother and his wife and their two kids and my sister and her husband and their two kids and my mom. So there's a lot of people and a lot of moving parts to try and coordinate Christmas. Now, like I said in the last podcast, we celebrate Yule, but we also celebrate Christmas and Christmas for us is family. So Christmas Eve, because my daughter-in-law and my son always go to my daughter-in-law's mom's for Christmas Day, just saves on a lot of arguing and hustling. We don't care what day we celebrate Christmas with them on, as long as we get to see them. So Christmas Eve, we went to my daughter-in-law's for Christmas, to celebrate Christmas with my son and my daughter-in-law and my grandson. And my daughter-in-law cooked dinner. Now, this was the first time she had, A, had they had company over for dinner other than, you know, pizza and cards. And B, the first time she'd had us over for dinner. They usually come to our place and my husband cooks and we do dinners here. So she was a nervous wreck. I was curious. I mean, I, she's an incredible baker. She makes homemade fudge and bars and cakes and cookies and all the really, really good stuff. And she's a really amazing cake decorator. She made my mom, my mom loves frogs and she made my mom a a cake in the shape of a frog with a great big lotus flower on the top of the frog's head and this big goofy grin on the frog. It was so cute. Anyway, So I knew she could bake. So I knew dessert was going to be fantastic. And she'd had a pot roast planned for dinner. Okay. All right. I'm in. So we go over there and and we're hanging out. We're playing with the grandson and dinner just smells absolutely delicious. Um, And we sit down. We all sit down at the table for dinner. And there was pot roast and popovers, Yorkshire pudding. If you're not sure what a Yorkshire pudding is, Google it to all my Canadian and um, UK listeners will know what a Yorkshire pudding is. They are absolutely delicious and they have to be done a specific way in the oven. And she only had buffin tins. She didn't actually have a proper Yorkshire pudding tray, which we did. So we brought it for her. She was, she was tickled pink. Um, and she made fried button mushrooms and she made, um, I'm trying to think there was mashed potatoes with sour cream and chives mixed in and corn with cream cheese and herbs all mixed in. And mashed potato, I said the potatoes already, the potatoes were really good, hence they need to be mentioned twice. Homemade gravy, um, I think that was the main dish. And then she made a spice cake with homemade cream cheese icing. Oh, I ate so much. I've been, not really dieting, but changing the way I eat. I've cut out breads and pastas. Um, For the most part, I may have pasta once a week, twice a week, maybe. Um, I'm eating a lot of high protein foods. I'm eating a lot of foods that have no carbs, no sugars. 
um, almost keto, but not quite because there are two other people that live in my house and I can't force them to eat keto just because I want to. Uh, so we compromise. And, um, so I've changed the way I've, I've been eating. My sister helped me work out a routine, a workout routine that I can do every day at home. I don't have to go to the gym. I can do it on my living room floor. I don't need any equipment. Um, and the last week my husband has been helping me to intensify that workout because it was starting to get easy and, um, I've already lost a significant amount of weight doing this. I've been doing this since November, regularly, every single day, watching what I eat. And um, I just downloaded an app yesterday, oh, excuse me, yesterday to keep track of my caloric intake, um, what I'm eating so that I know, you know, I've had too many calories, what I'm doing like my workouts, do I need to up my workouts to balance out, you know, that bowl of spaghetti that I had for dinner, um, tracking how much water I drink because I don't drink enough water. That's like a major thing. I don't drink enough water. And like, I'm really, really trying to follow through this time. And I, like I said, I've been doing it since um, the middle of November. And I, I'm beyond tickled pink. And now my husband has jumped on the bandwagon. He's, uh, because he's seen the hard work that I'm putting in and he's seeing the results. So he's not working out, but he's now eating better. My daughter is starting to see the results and she's starting to get more health conscious. Um, so it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So I don't eat as much as I used to. So when we went to my daughter-in-law's and she made this incredible spread. It was so good. And I I knew it was going to be a high calorie dinner. So I, I had kind of limited myself up to that. And I ate so much. My ribs hurt. It hurt to breathe. I couldn't take a deep breath without it hurting. I couldn't talk without running out of breath because I was so full. But let me tell you, it was so worth it. And after that dinner, I decided, okay, it's Christmas. I've got two more Christmases to do. I'm just going to put the diet aside and not worry about so much about what I'm eating. I mean, I was still keeping track and keeping an eye on what I ate and trying to not overdo it. Um... And I did put on five pounds over Christmas, but I got on the scale today and I've lost all of it but one. So, and I went back on um, my eating regime yesterday. I only missed two days over the Christmas week. I only missed two days of um, exercise. Now I'm back to doing all my exercises again. I'm back to eating properly again. And I upped my, my, well, my husband upped my exercise routine this morning to compensate because we were having spaghetti for dinner tonight. So I had to find a way to balance out all the carbs that I'm going to be having or that I had at dinner. Um, 
and the bread. So I'm going to pay for that later. I know I am. Because <laughs> I haven't actually eaten bread. And that's not true. That's not true. My first week back after being at my sister's, um, my husband had made homemade bread. So I had to have... And you have to. It's fresh out of the oven. It's warm. The butter just melts right into it. You have to. It's it's like a law somewhere. You have to. Um, but yeah, I've been really, really vigilant. And I was doing sandwich wraps with lettuce. But I was getting frustrated because the lettuce, it, it rips and it tears and it's just a pain. And heads of lettuce are just ridiculous. Um... So I suggested that my husband get me a head of cabbage. So he did. He got me a head of cabbage. And let me tell you, those make the best wraps because they stay together. They hold everything in and cabbage is really good for you. So that's what I've been doing. And I found out that a can of flakes of ham has absolutely no carbs and no sugar in an entire can. And the Hellman's Mayonnaise made from olive oil has no carbs and no sugar, so they are both very keto-friendly. Yay, me. <laughs> I was very happy about that. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been doing. So, But I put it aside because I knew I was going to be eating a lot at my daughter-in-law's. And then Christmas Day, um, we stay home. And it's just me and my husband and my daughter because she still lives at home. And, you know, we sleep late and we get up and we open our stockings and we open the presents that we had this year. It was a little, was very lean. Um, but we had stuff under the tree. I had made, I made my, I, I can sew. So I made my daughter jammy pants out of this really nice silky um, fabric with little stars all over it. And they have two lace panels that run down either side of the leg. She just absolutely loves them. And we decided to do environmentally friendly. Like I said last week, I was sewing Christmas bags. So I had found some material that I had that had cats all over them. My daughter is going to grow up and be the crazy cat lady. She already is the crazy cat lady. So she, I was going, I said to her, do you want me to make your Christmas bag out of this? And she's like, oh yes, oh yes, I love it. So she's watching me make these bags and she's looking at them. She's like, mom, they look like pillowcases. And they were. They're the size of a pillowcase. Some of them were the size of a really big pillowcase, a really long pillowcase. And she said, you can make pillowcases. So I made up her bag and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the material and there's enough material there. I could make another one. I could have made four. So I thought, you know what? I, I can't have this, this cat material that has no, no Christmas to it at all under my tree. So she was sitting right beside me the entire time. We were watching a TV show together, binge watching on Netflix. And, um, I made her pillowcases out of this material that she really, really liked and then made her a Christmas bag. And she had no idea. She opens up the Christmas bag Christmas morning and she's like, why did you do this, mom? Yeah, you were sitting right beside me when I did it. <laughs> so, um, that was fun. And it was, we, we had a nice, quiet Christmas day. And every year for the last five years since she got the notion into her head that she wanted to do this Christmas morning, every year she has made crepes for breakfast Christmas morning. And 
the first year, <laughs> they were a little dicey. Um, this year, every year she has just gotten better and better and better and better. Um, and this year they were absolutely perfect. And I had a little whipped cream inside mine and some icing sugar sprinkled on. And it was oh so good with my chocolate hazelnut coffee and absolutely delicious breakfast. And then we just kind of sat around in our pajamas all day and did nothing. Watched movies and ate the chocolate that was in our stockings and gave the cats their treats and the dog his treats. And and we had... We have, oh, we had... <laughs> we ate Rudolph for dinner that night. We had venison, roast venison, and um, asparagus and... We did the, the venison and mushroom, wild mushrooms that my husband had harvested in the summer. Um, and then what he does, he'll, he'll walk around the bushes and the trails around here and, um, we'll harvest wild mushrooms growing around and then he'll bring them home, clean them and dehydrate them and then throw them in food. So that's what he did. And, um, so we had that. And we did the mushrooms and diced potatoes and the venison in our cast iron skillet because that's where you have to do it. And asparagus done in garlic and butter. So good. So good. Oh man, so good. Rudolph, I tell you, tasty, tasty, tasty. And then it was Boxing Day. Now, if you're American, you probably don't know what Boxing Day is. I know of at least one American who does not know what Boxing Day is, and I had to explain Boxing Day to them. Now, Boxing Day originally started, um, it was for the servants. They would take their Christmas boxes and go and spend the day with their family, because Christmas Day, they're busy serving the family that they work for. So Boxing Day was servants, the servants' day to go and celebrate with their families, and they would take their Christmas box and off they'd go. Over the years, it's turned into, it was a shopping day, kind of like Black Friday. You could get these great Boxing Day deals. A lot of people would, that would be the day that they would take Christmas presents that were too small or they didn't like, and they'd take them back and they would exchange them. Now, um, that still happens. A lot of places are still open, um, but it has been deemed a statutory holiday, so... Banks are closed. Government buildings are closed. Um, post offices are closed. Stuff like that. Most businesses will close and give their staff the day off. Uh, this town, our fact, it's a factory-run town, so most of the people that work that live here work in the factories. The factories are shut down for two weeks over Christmas anyway. So, but anyway, Boxing Day has now become the day that we celebrate with my brother and my sister and my mom. So my mom and my sister have moved farther south and they're about two and a half hours away. My brother still lives up here with us. And um, this year we've decided that now we're going to swap years between my brother's house and my sister's house because I'm not having them here. There's not enough room in my house for everybody. It's not happening. So, <clears throat> this year it was at my brother's. Now, my brother doesn't actually live within walking distance of my house. 
is kind of a 20 minute drive from my house. So my mom, when she, my mom came up Christmas day, my sister, my brother-in-law had come up the day before because they go and visit my brother-in-law's family in Bracebridge. And then they came and stayed at my brother's for the night. And uh, my mom came up, she picked me and my crew up. So there was me, my husband and my daughter and all of our stuff. And out we went to my brother's and I dropped my mom and my husband and my daughter off and emptied out the car, came back into town. And because my brother lives out of town, (laughs) down by the water, picked up my son, my daughter-in-law, my grandson and all their stuff. Back out we went. So there was me, my husband, my daughter, my son, my daughter-in-law, my grandson, my sister, my brother, my nephew, my niece, my brother, my sister-in-law, my nephew, my nephew. There was 14 of us. And that is just my mom, my brother, my sister, and our families. (laughs) 14 people. And we had spaghetti for dinner. And my daughter-in-law, every year, she does a box of baked goods for everybody. Everybody, each family gets a box of baked goods. Oh, and I mean, there's homemade fudge. There's marshmallow bars. There's homemade brownies. I mean, these are brownies made from scratch, people. Okay, we're not talking a boxed brownie. These are brownies made from scratch. This is fudge made from scratch, not, you know, boxed stuff that you can buy. And uh, what else was in there? Oh, she made pecan tarts. Oh, just mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. So I put on five pounds over Christmas. <laughs> but I'm pleased to say that I do believe most of that was water weight because I've already lost four of it. Yay. Um, so yeah, that was my Christmas. Three days of Christmas. I'm done. I'm over it. I want to take the decorations down, but I had a little bit of a horror story to share with you too. And a valuable lesson. Save important things to your Google Drive or to the cloud or on a jump drive. Don't trust your computer or yourself for that matter. See, this was actually operator error. My computer was running really slow and I have a lot of stuff in it. I have a lot of documents and I have a lot of pictures and I have a lot of crap in my computer. So I decided I'm going to upload a bunch of stuff to the cloud, but first I'm going to go through everything and I'm going to delete everything I don't need. Now I am doing a ghostwriting gig and I was up to about 53,000 words on this gig. And, um, I had about four or five copies of this particular story. So I thought I had labeled them fairly well. So I'm delete. I don't need that one. Don't need that one. Don't need. Okay. We'll keep that one and we'll keep that one. We don't need the rest. So deleted everything, cleaned out my recycle bin. And then I sat down to write the other day and opened up the document that I thought was the 53,000 word one. And I'm looking at it. So, and then I'm waiting for it to finish loading. And I'm like, okay, so like 7,900 and some odd words. Wait, what? And it's not, because sometimes when you open a document, it'll pause and then the rest of the document will show up. No, it's not there. I try and and go through my recycle bin. There's nothing in my recycle bin. 
I open, I go through Word and I'm looking at all the auto saves and it's not there. And I can't find it anywhere. Because I had deleted the 53,000 Word copy. And I had kept the 7,000 Word copy. So when my husband and my daughter came home from shopping, I had a complete and total mental breakdown. <laughs> now he has a program that can restore lost files. Unfortunately, it was not able to find any deleted documents that had been deleted from the recycle bin. So, I have learned a valuable lesson. I now have it saved to the cloud. And I have to write a minimum of 6,000 words a day for the next 10 days to be caught back up and stay within the scheduled word count for each week in order to save this project. So, last night was the first day of the 10 days. And I had my doubts. I mean, I mean, I know I can do it. I can churn out three, 4,000 words in an hour and a half when I'm on a roll. Um, but, you know, you, you, you have that doubt. You have that worry. You have that wonder. Can I pull this off? So I sat down last night and it took me about three and a half hours. No, just under three hours. And I hit just over 6,000 words. I did it. So I have to do that again today. But I'm one day down. And I know I, I can kind of remember what I had written. Um, so I know the direction the story's taking. And once I hit the word count where I'm caught back up and I'm where I'm supposed to be, I'm not going to stop doing the 6,000 words a day because if I keep at that pace, then I will have this book done in no time, sent off to the company, the publisher that hired me, and I will get paid. And then we can get the edits done and it'll be done ahead of schedule. And I'll get another job. So, anyway. So, yes. Save often. Save any important thing that you're working on. Be it a book. Be it a, a poet. A, a poem. Whatever. Save it somewhere other than your computer. I mean, yes. Have a copy on your computer. But save it somewhere else, too. In the off chance that you're an idiot like me. And you delete it. And have to start all over. Because I am not one to say, I'm sorry, I screwed up, um, I quit. I am going to fix this. I am going to pull this out of the fire and make this work. And I will be on schedule and I will have the book done on time. Because I really do work well under pressure. So, let that be a lesson to me. <laughs> and let that be a cautionary tale to you. Now, I don't have any housekeeping that I am aware of. Dave has not sent me anything. So if there is, you will get it all in the new year. Um, I am going to mention that January's issue may be a bit smaller than usual because it will come out the 24th of January and PCE is the 8th of February, which is like 
a week and a half later. So things are really moving very quickly right now for PCE. So if you have submitted anything for January's um, issue, don't be surprised or offended or upset or think there's something wrong with it. If I email you back and say, we're going to put this in February's issue, this is why, okay? Because Dave does all the coding for the magazine, all by hand. He writes out all the HTML coding. I think I've said this before numerous times. He is also putting together PCE all by himself. He doesn't have a staff. He doesn't have an aide. He doesn't have anybody to help him. He's doing all of the legwork, like going, literal, literal leg, legwork, going from business to business and getting vendors signed up and getting things booked. He's booked all of the talent that's going to be there. He has booked the hall. He's arranged for the tables. He's got all of the decor and decorations and what what have you. He has done this by himself. This man is running every single day. So that being said, January's issue may be a bit smaller because he just doesn't have the time to invest in the magazine and pull off PCE. So just letting you know that so that you're not surprised or dismayed that your submission got pushed off to February. Um, just letting you know. Okay. Thanks. All right. So in we go. I just, we're going to start with the wonderful cover of the Grinch. Thank you to David K. Montoya for submitting that. That was absolutely adorable. I love it. I think it's so cute. And it seemed really popular. A lot of people commented on it. A lot of people, um, it seemed to catch their attention. It reached over 2,000 people um, at last check. So it had some really good circulation. Thank you for that. I love that. I love that picture. Okay, so I also want to congratulate Stephen Bruce, who was um, November's member, November, November's member of the month. Um, I'm trying to. My brain just, you know, it happens. It happens as soon as I get into serious stuff. You know, my brain does the whole test pattern. Okay, so Stephen Bruce's whimper was in November's issue. So congratulations, Stephen, for that. All right. And this month, the featured article is David K. Montoya's Through the Eyes of Madness. And this excerpt, excerpt, piece, (laughs) this is the final piece that is going to be released in the magazine. Um, The book will be coming out um, next year. (laughs) At some point. I don't know when. I didn't ask him. I forgot to. Um, But And the book will have so much more in it than what you've read online. Uh, It is an incredible story. You just got 
glimpses into the full story, kind of like a window into what is going on in this story. There's so much more that is going to be in the book because I would read the entirety of what he had written that was going in the book. And then I would edit it and send it back to him and he would select from that what was going in the magazine. So this is the final piece to the online. It's been a two year journey for Dave writing this online. And this is the final piece. And it's, I know the entire scene for this piece. So I, I don't want to say too much, but I know what comes after this. <laughs> um, you're going to want to buy the book. You're going to want to read what comes after this. It's, it's, uh, <sighs> this is a good piece. This shows you, um, Gray as a dad, as a husband, as a human being, not just the cop. Um, not just the man cheating on his wife. So this is a really good excerpt, but I'm telling you, you're going to want to buy the book when it comes out because, oh, there is so much that happens after this particular scene. And it's so good. So, so good. Okay. So now we're going to dive into it. And of course, we always start in stories. And I always go in order as it appears on the magazine. Why? Because I have the magazine pulled up in front of me and I open each story because it just gives me a, ref refreshes my memory because I do read a lot of, of submissions. And this month in particular, you're going to have to bear with me because of Christmas and everything that's been going on and, and all of that. Um, I usually do a refresher right before I do the pod. Oh, excuse me, the podcast. And I actually haven't had the opportunity to do that yet. Um, so I will do my best. Um, so bear with me. <laughs> if I muck up your story, I am very, very sorry. It is the time of year for forgiveness. So please forgive me. Okay, so we're going to start with our Drabbles and Flash Fiction, and we have a Drabble from Christopher Weiss, and I'm so thrilled, just absolutely thrilled to see him venturing out from poetry as well into a totally different style of writing. Um, this one kind of choked me up because I know people who sit alone at Christmas and they have children, they have family, and they're still alone. There's, there's been some rift between them. And this one was just, just beautiful to read and to see that this man that thought he was going to be alone and, you know, was remorseful for the mistakes that he had made has his family show up at his door and his mistakes are forgiven. Maybe not forgotten and still need to be worked through, but forgiven for Christmas. He got his Christmas miracle. So well done, Chris. I really enjoyed that. Next on the, on the block is Done Just Right by Gabriella Balcom. 
Now, Gabrielle Balcom has um, sent quite a few in this month, which she does drabbles really, really well. Um, I really enjoy her drabbles. So this one, <laughs> this one I, would, I would consider this a cautionary tale. Um, I have seen enough scary movies and heard enough freak accidents that tanning beds scare me to begin with. They make me nervous to begin with. And anything that's going to have ultraviolet that close to my skin, I don't want to come out looking like, you know, KFC's extra crispy. Um, so this one kind of really made me go, oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, this is a, this was a really good one. It was, it was kind of creepy, um, for a Christmas story. It was, it was very creepy for a Christmas story. And, you know, it just reaffirmed why I won't use tanning beds. Thank you very much. Okay. And the next one is Get Rid Getting Rid of the Guns by Jim Bates. This one, again, hit me in the, what is it, the, in the feels? Um, because I do know people that have done this. I also know people who have oh no yeah i'm not doing that mar, 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 and there's been an accident so this story is about and it's a drabble a husband who has decided he has a child on the way he's getting rid of his guns as much as he loves hunting he loves his wife and his unborn child even more you know he doesn't want to raise his daughter in a house with guns with a symbol of potential violence. Now, if you're a gun supporter, you don't need to email me and yell at me and tell me that guns don't create violence, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get it. Just let it go. It's the story. Read the story. It's really good. And that's called Getting Rid of the Guns by Jim Bates. Next up, we have Gabriella Balcom again with Jealousy. Now, I read this and I'm thinking, you know, I, every single woman alive has been in this position at least once. And has thought about doing what Jazzy did. I mean, there's that, that song, you know, I scraped my keys down the side of his pretty little four-wheel drive. You know, every woman has been suspicious of a partner at least once. Most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, it is with good reason. Women know, man, I'm telling you, women know. So, yeah, that was a good one. I like that. Again, a creepy Christmas story. I, I was seeing a trend as I was reading these. <laughs> there were very few um, happy, fluffy, feel-good Christmas stories. They were Christmas-themed, but, you know, not necessarily happy and fuzzy and warm. This one is no different. <laughs> so, yeah, well done. And next... <laughs> we have a flash... flash fiction piece 
by Melissa Small called Snow Magic. And this one made me giggle and I, I enjoyed this one so much. It was so cute and it's all on snow. How snow is made and the different fairies that take care of different things. You know, they're, they, the snow fairies take care of ski hills and toboggan hills and snow days and, um, they make every single snowflake that falls because, as you know, every single snowflake is unique. No two are ever the same. And I mean, there's, there's a snow fairy, there's a frost fairy, there's a blizzard fairy, there's a water fairy. There's an ice fairy. It's just, it's a cute little story and kind of really gives it a fantasy feel to the season. I really liked it. It was well done, Melissa. I really, really liked it. I really did. That was so cute. And that's Snow Magic by Melissa Small. And then we have Gabriella Balcom again. And this one's called Plenty. It's another drabble. And again, kind of creepy. You know, we have rats luring small children in for their Christmas dinner. I am never going into my basement. And I have sworn off Tootsie Rolls since I was about four, four or five. I think it was five. And I choked on one and my mom had to do the Heimlich maneuver in the middle of Union Station. Uh, subway station. So this just, again, you know, she seems to, this was a Hershey's kiss, but not your happy, feel good Christmas story, but it is Christmas themed. <laughs> and I am never going in my basement ever again. I don't go down there to begin with, but this just, you know, nah, no basements for me. Thank you. Now we have Stepping Stones by Anne Christina Tabaka. And this one is a flash fiction. And it's, it's not Christmas themed, but it's, I found it to be a very deep kind of, hmm, makes you think about how your life progresses and how you move from event to event, kind of like stepping stones in your life. And um, how they, they become stepping stones in your mind when you look back. And how it's very easy to get wrapped up in one of those and become that, just as she did. There's, there's a, for me, there was a lot of symbolism in this particular story. So I, I was, I really enjoyed it. That Stepping Stones by Anne Christine Tabaka. And that rounds out our Drabble and Flash Fiction section. Now we are moving on to fantasy and we have newcomer. We did, do we have any newcomers? No, we didn't. Okay. So we have newcomer Janine McBrearty. Welcome to the fold. And her fantasy story, The Last Northman. Now, I got sucked into this one in the very first paragraph. She wove this story 
like the, the the first line you can see it like the bright red blood falling on the snow you can see that because you know what that's going to look like and it was such a well woven tale that i didn't realize at first that it was a fantasy and then as I got reading along, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering more about the legend about the last Northman and of, um, the tribes of Selenia. I'm realizing, okay, so this is a fantasy. All right. But it, it, it really, really pulled me in. Um, I really enjoyed it and it, it touches a lot on some, I did notice there was some tribal mythology, but it was altered for the story so that you couldn't pinpoint it to one particular tribe, which makes it a fantasy. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's a good read. It flows really nicely and it keeps your attention through the entire story. Like I was just, okay, is there more? I want to know more. I want to know what happened. Like, can, how did, how did, what's the last Northman story? What's his tale? Can you, can you tell it from, from there? And, um, I loved the, the Viking heathen aspect to it, the mention of Odin. And, um, it was just an incredible story. I really, really enjoyed it. It's well done. And now we have The Pools of Neris. I hope I said that right. By Stephen Carr. Steve Carr. And this is a true blue fantasy story. Pulled me right in. I really enjoyed it. Um... I did have a little trouble following with, with a lot of the, the Greek names. Um, but that's just my personal issue. Um, once I got over that, I really got into the, I mean, I was Googling some of these names because they, I wanted to know more. So it's a really good mythological tale if you want like it's Stephen writes a variety of things and when i see him do a just a pure fantasy piece it you really see um the creativity of his mind in that story and it's in this story i really enjoyed it so that's the pools of neris by steve carr and then we have the legend by don de braille and as the title says, it's about a particular legend. And it's about dragons. So I'm not going to say too much about it because it would be very easy to give away the flow of the story. And I don't want to do that. I try not to do that in magazine review. I give my opinion. I tell you what I liked about the piece or what I didn't like about the piece or you know, how well I enjoyed the piece, why I enjoyed the piece, but I don't want to give away the core of the story. But this takes place in the Misty Mountains. Now, when I hear Misty Mountains, I automatically think 
Kentucky, I automatically think um, the Appalachians. Because if you've ever been in even Tennessee, on the top of a mountain in Tennessee at dawn, and you step out of your tent, you are literally walking on clouds. Because you are above, the clouds get heavy and they, they, it's just, so when I hear Misty Mountains, I can picture that in my mind. And that's where that took me. And that's made this story, I could get so immersed in it because I could picture the atmosphere that it was taking place in and where it was taking place. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I highly recommend you read it. I highly recommend you read everything in the magazine. But I do like Dawn's stories. I do like the way she writes. I like how she builds the suspense and leads you through the story and then gets to the conclusion at the end and you're like, wait, oh, all right. And, uh, yeah. So that is The Legend by Dawn DeBrail. And that takes care of our fantasy section. Off to my not-so-favorite section. <laughs> Horror. And our first one is The Spot on the Ceiling by Walter G. Esselman. Now, normally from Walter, I'm getting things like Liberty's Run or Caleb Prophet. So getting a horror story from him... A, first took me by surprise. B, kind of made me go, dude, <laughs> you're not supposed to scare me. Now, and this one, you know, I read this and then I started looking at my own ceiling going, because we did have a leak upstairs. So I'm looking at my living room ceiling. I'm, um, yeah, you're going to hear... There's going to be a mouse. You're going to read this story and there's going to be like a mouse or something moving in your walls. And the next thing you know, you're going to torch your place. That's it. You're just going to torch it and move. Because this is a creep factor of 10 or more. Um, I've been paranormal investigating in homes where the ceiling has been bowed like that. And it just after reading this, I'm like, oh, you know what? And we were poking at it and... Oh, <laughs> well done, Walter. So, yeah, that's The Spot on the Ceiling by Walter G. Esselman. And then we have High Binder by A. Elizabeth Herting. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Part two of Project RD by Michelle E. Lowe. And in this part, you're seeing step two of The Cure for... Zombieism, being a zombie, zombieism. Um, this is step two. So now you're seeing um, Alex starting to become more and more of himself, but there is still that primal zombie-esque to to him you know like he's desperately trying to act normal and be normal and be well 
but he's still having those, you know, same thoughts about sinking his teeth into flesh and, you know, eating them. And, you know, what, what should I focus on? Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's what we're going to focus on. So this part you get step two and you go right up to step eight of this project RD and how they're, they're curing zombies. And it's, I'm really enjoying this. It's really good. And it's going to conclude in January. So you'll get the final installment, part three, in January. All right. And now we have A Hunting Trip by Michael A. Arnold. And this is about a bunch of guys who are obviously not from the United States. And they come to the United States on a hunting trip. And this story is told by a, the survivor. Um, after the fact, after he's been released from the police and he can actually talk about what happened. And he tells the tale a rather horrific tale of a cabin and a blizzard and creepiness and dead things. So it was really good. And, you know, I probably would have said the same thing and ran into the, out into the night. Actually, for a fact, I know that I would have used that word more than once. There would have been a whole lot of screaming, and I would have been, you know, to heck with my friends. They're on their own. I'm out. And gone. <laughs> so that is A Hunting Trip by Michael A. Arnold. And then we have Grandpa's Cabin by newcomer Lynn Phillips. And this one, I, it had his sentimental moments. It had his funny, it, it's funny moments. Um, I mean, this is two guys and they're going up to the one guy's grandpa's cabin and they're going to spend Christmas together and they're going to drink and they're going to do their thing. And their evening doesn't quite end up the way that they had planned. Um, they kind of end up trapped. So you really got to read it. Um, and I'm telling you, I, there's been a few stories that have had rats and I am just, no, I'm over the rats. <laughs> I don't like them. Creep me out. I'm not going to some creepy little cabin in the bush either. Just so you know that. I will drink me some moonshine, though. I do love me some moonshine. So this is really good. And like I said, it has its sentimental moments. Like when they're playing, when they're singing um, Christmas carols and, you know, his buddy's playing on the harmonica and they're laughing and they're talking about old times and they're drinking and they're having a good day and they wake up and it's Christmas morning and, you know, they have their coffee and they have their breakfast and they're, they're enjoying what, they don't realize are the last few moments of their life. So it's really good. Um, I was, I was kind of sad. It, 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 
it caught me at the end. I was, I was, yeah. So, very, very good story by newcomer Lim Phillips called Grandpa's Cabin. Now we move into action and suspense. And I've already talked to you about Through the Eyes of Madness, and it's the finale. Read it. Go back. Read all of the excerpts and know that there is so much more. And the book will be coming out in 2020. And I suggest you buy it. Now we have Highbinder by newcomer A. Elizabeth Herting. Now by newcomer, I don't mean they're a brand new writer and they're a newcomer to the magazine because a lot of our contributors have things published elsewhere. They have books published. They have, um, and they're in anthologies. They're, they've won awards. So when I say newcomer, it's newcomer to the magazine. Now this one, um, I was debating on sticking it in fantasy, but because it has that fantasy element to it in the fact that Mr. Travis is not all there. He, he sees, but is he really, did he really live this? Did this really happen? Is this a premonition that he's seen or did it happen? And he was able to go back in time before the incident and try and warn everybody. Um, and then you find out that there was something wrong with the plane. So it kind of makes you think, you know, is he really crazy? But it was, I put it in action and suspense because it has the action. It has the suspense. And I mean, I'm reading it and I'm expecting some creepy thing to be on the plane, you know, kind of gremlin looking. And then all of a sudden you're back in the airport and it's before everything has happened. So it, it's, a really good story. It will take you on a journey. It will mess with your head. So I suggest you read it. Um, I don't suggest you read it before you fly. And I'm hoping that come February, I will have forgotten this story because I have to fly from Florida to California. So <laughs> and I don't like to fly to begin with. I, I have to tell you, I am a big chicken in a lot of ways. I am a big chicken. I am terrified of a lot of things. Rats and flying are two of them. So I'm hoping to be heavily medicated when I get on the plane. That's Highbinder by A. Elizabeth Herting. Then we have another newcomer, Kelly McDonald, and her story, Family Secrets. And I'm just saying this right now, Kelly, if you're listening, I want to know more. Like the people have commented, you ended it with, we need to talk. Okay, I want to know that conversation. I want to know why he's still alive. I want to know what it is that has kept him young and alive. What is he? Is he some kind of supernatural? Is he just like a Benjamin Button? <laughs> I need to know more. So, as you can tell from the title, it's it's about a family secret. And... Um, this girl is being raised by what she assumes is her mother. Um, and you find out that that might not necessarily be the case later. Um, yeah. 
It's a really good story. And I want to know more. I really like Vincent. I mean, Vincent has just has got a way about him. He's just really cool. For a servant, he's really cool. Um, yeah, so Kelly McDonald's Family Secrets. I want to know more about them Family Secrets. Let me tell you. Really good. So now we have um, No More War Redux by Walter Giersbach. Giersbach. And this tells the tale of war. Um, what happens to the soldiers when they come home. The anguish and the agony that they go through in their own minds. Um, the PTSD that they have to deal with, the emotional roller coaster that they have to deal with. And this is one particular person. And um, the things that they have to deal with and they have to face and they have to remember and try and live a normal life after that. Like, how do you live a normal life when you have seen the horrific things that they've seen over there and they've done the horrific things that they've had to do. And, you know, how do you come back and just put that aside in a box and get a job at the Circle K or at the Walmart or at the garage? How? How do you do that? And... To actually have Carolyn Kennedy, you know, call this man, or was it really? Um, you know, the, the big stars calling the troops that have returned, checking in on them, kind of placating, kind of, um, patronizing. I found that they would do that. Why aren't they doing more? Why aren't they helping these, these, Instead of just making a phone call. Hey, this is so-and-so and I'm a millionaire. How you doing over there without your job and all your, your emotional and mental issues that our government gave you, but our government won't pay for to help cure you? Sorry, that was my rant. <laughs> it's a really good story and it really gives you an insight into how things are. And how sometimes just a few words can change a person's outlook, their thought patterns, and their decisions that they have made. So, yeah. Walter Giersbach, No More War Redux. Okay, so now we're going into science fiction, and we have newcomer Jennifer Morrow's and her story, Anniversary. And it's almost a snapshot of a moment in time when the world is ending. War has taken over, or aliens have taken over, and everything is going to hell in a handbasket, everything is on fire, and this one couple. It is a snapshot in the life of this one couple. And all they want to do is celebrate their anniversary in the place 
that they did the year before. And the husband is doing everything he can to comfort her. I mean, Henry really is a trooper. And poor Olivia, she's trying to hold it together. There's no ice. There's no, there's, you know, families crying in the next room. And you look out the window and everything's on fire and everything's falling down. And, and how, how? But they have each other. That's how. So, sometimes love is enough. Even when the world around you is going up in flames. As long as you have the one that you love, you're okay no matter what happens. So that's Anniversary by Jessica Moros. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. And then we have Jim Bates again and The Test. Now this is, um, it's a standalone story, but it's also part two. If you've read the one, the Biodome from last month, this is kind of part two. And, um, it's, it's a 10 part series. So this gives you, a, the Biodome was more of Quinn and his son and what Quinn was willing to risk to even just hug his son in this world that um, has changed so much because of what we have done to our environment and to our climate and to the ozone and used up all of our our um, natural resources. So this gives a little more insight and you get to see the relationship between Quinn and Karen, his wife. Um, and you get to find out a little bit more about what's going on in um, the world order and how things are progressing, how much he's lost off of his life, how much Karen has lost, what the average lifespan is and what they do when your life cycle is up. When your time is up, you're done. Gone. So, yeah. Like I said, it's a standalone story, but if you've read Novembers, you will see the connection between the two. So, that is The Test by Jim Bates. And then we have The Bunker by Michael A. Arnold. Michael was really a rock star this month. I mean, he turned in um, a fantasy, sci-fi, book review, art review, and I think he has a poem too. So this is, um, it's a touching, it's, it's sad. It's from a child's perspective. Um, and again, it touches on that, you know, what have we done to our earth? What are we doing to our earth? This is going to be our life. You know, our, our great, great grandchildren will be looking at pictures of grass instead of looking outside at grass, looking at pictures of trees instead of looking outside at trees. So... 
living in bunkers and wearing oxygen masks and, and yeah, it's, it's having to look for hospitable other planets out there where we can move to because we've destroyed the one we're on like the parasites that we are. Anyway, I'm a little cranky tonight, aren't I? I'm sorry for that. So that is The Bunker by Michael A. Arnold. And that rounds out our science fiction section. And then we have, okay, things are going to get a whole lot happier now. <laughs> if I had to pick a favorite story, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely love Through the Eyes of Madness. I love what Dave's done with it. And it's featured article this month because it's such a good story and it's the finale and it kind of, I know what comes after, but it, it gives you the emotional side of Grayson. Um, but if I had to choose my favorite. Now, she originally sent this to me as a poem and I want, I read it and went, nope, this is a story. And I emailed her back and I said, Copper, we're making this a story because it's a good one. And you can't say the title without singing it. You know, shingle cells, shingle cells. <laughs> I just absolutely love it. This is the story of two little shingle cells that are living in Santa's body and they're hiding behind his liver. It's very Christmassy. But anybody who has ever had shingles knows shingles are not fun. And if you've had the chicken pox, you will, or at least you carry, and you could potentially get shingles. Because once you've had chicken pox, you have the virus in your body, and you can get shingles. It can develop into shingles. And a lot of studies will say, if you've had chicken pox, you will get shingles. So reading this, and I'm thinking, how many of them little buggers do I have hiding in my body? Because I've had chicken pox twice. Where are they hiding? So this has to be, had to be my favorite story this month. It made me laugh. Oh, did it make me laugh? And it, and I just, I really, really enjoyed it. And I mean, there was science in it. I was learning stuff. Didn't realize I was learning stuff, but I was learning stuff. Um, yeah. Shingle Cells by Copper Rose. Not your average Christmas tale. Poor Santa. And all of those kids. And all of those parents. Yep. I loved it. I loved it. Okay, so now we're moving over to poetry. And we have The Pear Tree by Christopher Bice. Now, this is Chris's forte. He is an excellent poet. And I really enjoyed this. And this is Christmas being sick. I really loved his poem. I loved the spiritual aspect to his poem. Because a lot of times when you're really sick and you have a really high fever, you will have that spiritual moment. You will have that epiphany. Because the logical side of your brain is clouded by the illness. So... 
your subconscious and your creative side can come forward and go, finally, someone's going to listen to me. So I really liked your poem, Chris. That's The Pear Tree by Christopher Bice. And then we have A Christmas Thrill by Narisha Kemraj. And this is kind of like a, it starts out was the night before Christmas. And it is um, a basically a serial killer's Christmas tale, <laughs> if you will. Um, his favorite time of year. So that is A Christmas Thrill by Narisha Kemraj. And then we have All I Want This Year by Laura Hughes. And this is more of an emotional one. This will kind of, you know, tug on your heartstrings. It's a beautiful poem. It's All I Want This Year by Laura Hughes. And then we have Merry Christmas by Gabriella Balcom. And it's it's a beautiful message. It's um, a beautiful poem. Lovely Christmas wish for everybody from Gabriella Balcom. Merry Christmas. And then we have Three Haiku Christmas Edition by Denny Marshall. Now he'd sent the three haikus to me and I read them and they all kind of correlated to each other. So hence why all three of them are there. So it's aliens and Santa. <laughs> Out Christmas in Nebraska. So, three haikus by Christmas edition by Denny Marshall. Denny E. Marshall. And then we have Traveling on the Polar Ice by Holly Day. And anybody who has walked across a large body of water that is frozen over will know that that feel that that rumble that you can hear under the ice as things move and shift and the cracking and yeah yeah traveling on the polar ice by holly day and then we have christmas by randolph r lofgren and it's a short little poem about how wonderful um he finds christmas and it's kind of his his usual style his play on words um you know, kind of taking the word, the, a line from a, a set of words from the line before and using it in the next line and then moving them around. So that's Christmas by Randolph, Randolph R. Lofgren. And then we have A Happy Christmas by Kevin Magnus. And this one surprised me. It's actually a very sweet little poem. It's not all dark and emo. 
I was a little afraid when I saw his submission come in. But it is totally not Kevin's style. It's a very lovely poem. It's very sweet. Um, so, A Happy Christmas by Kevin Magnus. And then we have newcomer Powell Markowitz with Winter Rain in My Muse-Like Homeland. Um, I had a little bit of a hard time following it. But again, that's my personal preference. It was very flowy, very beautifully worded, uh, very visually, the visuals that he created with the words, um, like the meekly miraculous siren at sunset glow, very beautiful wording. Um, so that's Winter Rain in My Muse Like Homeland by Powell Markowitz. I do have to say, I think it was translated from another language into English. Could just be me, but sometimes doesn't. But I did enjoy it. So. And then we have Sticking Together by John Gray. And this one is about family. And all of the things around you, there's nothing more than family. And you need, you know, human contact over microwaves and static and everything that's going on outside, all the bad, all the negativity. You need to be together and, and push through it and see what's important. So that's Sticking Together by John Gray. And then we have Morning Dawns Over Florence by Michael A. Arnold. And his stuff really makes me want to go to these places. Really does. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, this is something he's experienced. He is writing this from a visual he has seen. Because it feels like you're, the way he writes it, it feels like you're seeing it through his eyes. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I can only imagine only imagine what it looks like in person. So, Morning Dawns Over Florence by Michael A. Arnold. And then we have For What Is Yours by Stephen Bruce. <laughs> and this is very, very cute. It is actually very cute. Um, and I like spiders. But, yeah, it is very sweet that, you know, he, he scoops the little spider up and decides that he's just going to leave the larger spider. He, he has, has staked his claim. He's made his home and he's retreated. This is his area. So, and I mean, I have a spider like that in my bathroom. He has his area. We have an understanding. You stay there. You stay where I can see you while I'm in here. I don't care what you do when I'm not. But you stay within eye, eye line, eyesight, while I'm in here. Don't make any sudden moves, and we'll be fine. 
because there's a lot you can learn from spiders on a metaphysical um, aspect. So this poem, there's a spider beside the fridge and my house, there's a spider in the bathroom. That's um, For What Is Yours by Stephen Bruce. And then we have Linda M. Crate, Everyone Needs to Eat. And what a wonderful poem to have at Christmas because most of the time everybody eats and this is about vampires. Well, actually, the daughter of a vampire. And, you know, everybody needs to eat. So, we, instead of eating our food raw and directly from the source, we buy it in the grocery store and we bring it home and we cook it. Just saying. So, Everyone Needs to Eat by Linda M. Crate. And that rounds out the written portion of our magazine. Over in the art gallery, we have... Good heavens, I've been yammering on for a mi- one hour and 20 minutes already. We have The Grinch, as you saw on our cover, by David K. Montoya. We have The Jet Girls by Ed Bickford. I do love his art. And then we have From Our House to Yours by Katie Barty. Yes, that is my child. That is my daughter. And I loved The Grinch because it's The Grinch and it was well done. I love Jet Girls because it has that that space, you know, feel to it. And you can see the look in their eyes like what? These are these are girls that are not going to take any shit. They've seen a lot. They're going. Katie's may look juvenile. It may look simple. But you look at the proportions of the snowman. She did that entire picture freehand on a piece of cardboard, no less. On a cardboard box. She did that entirely freehand from her head. And I mean, I love the dented, dented look of the Christmas ball and how it, it, it looks like some of the Christmas balls on our tree that are 27 years old. And yet it's still a happy Christmas ball. And the snowman is perfectly proportioned for a snowman. It looks like a snowman. It's very good. I actually, I loved it. And then we have Earring in the Sounds of the Night by Denny E. Marshall. And if you'll notice in this picture, I chose this one for December because you're just coming out of all the Christmas parties and now you're heading into all the New Year's Eve parties. And it's a whole new world. It's a whole new universe. We're ending a decade. Not only are we ending a year and ending a month, We are ending a decade. And this, to me, symbolized, you know, it's the the beginning of a new decade. So much is possible. The universe is open. And if you notice, her earrings are actually connected to the planets. So almost as if a reminder, keep yourself grounded, but let yourself soar. And she's all sparkly and ready to go out. But she's still connected to something solid. So that is Earring in the Sounds of the Night by Denny E. Marshall. 
And then we have newcomer Skywin and his portrayal of Christmas Wish. And she's a, a cute little, almost fairy-like Christmas elf with her big green bow. Probably, you know, every male's like dream. <laughs> they all want one of those under their tree. So she's very cute, very Christmassy. Cute little snowman in the background. So that's Christmas Wish by Sky Wind. And that rounds out our art gallery. And then for reviews, we have Jason Bayshard, my favorite movie reviewer. And he actually did a review of a traditional Christmas movie in my house called of A Christmas Story. You're gonna shoot your eye out. You're gonna shoot your eye out. <laughs> you haven't watched A Christmas Story, what is wrong with you? You need to watch it. It is an iconic Christmas movie, and I am still on the lookout for a lamp leg for my husband for Christmas. He has wanted one for years. So Jason did an excellent review of A Christmas Story, so check that out. And then in our book review, Michael A. Arnold, told you, rock star this month, did a review of J.R.R. Tolkien's Beowulf, a translation and commentary together with a Selig spell. And I haven't read that particular book yet, but after his review, I do want to go read it now. And then we have our video game review by Jeff R. Young. And he does incredible video game reviews. He not only discusses the game, but he breaks down the... Um, components of the game, the technical sides of the game, and he gives you a complete review. And this month he did the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. So check that out. And then we have Michael A. Arnold again and his review of Sandra Bocelli's Sandro Bocelli's The Birth of Venus. And I suggest you read that because Michael knows his stuff. When he's doing a book review and he's doing an art review, it's not just, this is pretty, this is why I liked it. He gives you history. He gives you background. He gives you differing theories. He gives you, it's a very scholarly review. It's well done. And then, of course, we have our commentary from the founder, David K. Montoya. And he's got some exciting things that... He's touched on in his commentary. Um, one of the main things that he talks about, and I'm sure a lot of you have experienced it. I know I have personally. He has personally. And that is the downsides of the Christmas holidays. The loneliness, the depression, um, the feelings of being inadequate, of not being good enough, of not spending enough or getting just all of that and it can be very overwhelming so he's put up a toll-free number um i think it's a suicide prevention hotline in his commentary and that number is 1-800-273-8255 or he's also placed a link where you can um 
send a message by just clicking the link. You have nothing to lose. And it may just save your life. Or it may save the life of somebody you love. So check it out. And then, um, yes, he did announce that I will be staying on as editor-in-chief for the magazine for the next year. And I will also be staying on as the host of the World of Myth... Maybe, if I could pronounce it, the host um, of the World of Mythbits. And he was teasing me about the fine print. We still need to have that discussion about the fine print. Anyway, um, we did see the inception of Mythmaster Unleashed in 2019. And he will continue to torture people with great glee and joy and creativity in 2020. I know he has so much fun doing that. Um, thank you, Dave, for the very nice words that you said um, about me in your commentary. And I'm sure that Jeff and everybody else appreciated them as well. And then, you know, you pop over to the interviews and you can listen to our resident psycho, the Mythmaster, interview with Sam Phillips. And it's a good one. So that is our magazine review for this month. And that was an hour and a half long. So I am going to do the necessary things and then I am out of here. So check us out at www.theworldofmyth.com. You can find us on Facebook at The World of Myth Magazine or The World of Myth Bits Podcast. You can find me on Facebook at author Stephanie Barty. You can find me on Twitter at Lupa B. You can find the magazine on Twitter at The World of Myth Magazine. Find the podcast on Twitter at The World of Myth Bits Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Stephanie Barty Author. And very shortly, we will have um, a Instagram account for The World of Myth and for The World of Myth Bits. So keep an eye out for those. Don't forget to go over to jazomon.com slash jazomodcast and check out all of the wonderful podcasts that we have. Our exclusive podcasts are The World of Mythbits, Who's the Boss, My Public Life as an American Nerd, Dispatches from Shed Quarters, and Paradise City. If you want to listen to The Mythmaster Unleashed, you have to go to www.theworldofmyth.com because he's not on our network yet. <laughs> Take that, Mythmaster. Don't forget, we also have our syndicated podcasts, Juice Pro Wrestling Podcast, Delivery Brothers Podcast, The Movie Madhouse, Too Opinionated, The Life Radio Show, which just got added to syndication, and The Days of Comics Past Podcast, and In a City Like Yours. So go and check all those out. Make sure you listen to our syndicated podcasts. In the, the Life Radio Show is hilarious. Got to check that out. So is Too Opinionated. Check out the movie bot. Check them all out. Just listen to them all. You want something to do? Listen to them all. And that is it, it for this week. That is it for this year. I will see you all. I will talk to you all next year. Happy New Year's. Merry Christmas. See ya. The world of myth bits.